the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hands off the control board. Hands off the control board. It's one of, you know. It's my control board. Since when is it your control board? Since I paid for it. Uh, Hush. But let me, let me, let's reflect here. I think I am a co-host. Yeah, which means you keep your hands off the control board. No, that means we have have (laughs) equal control. (laughs) See, we got our guests laughing already, and we haven't even introduced the show yet. I love it. I already see how the show's going to go for me. Oh, man. Welcome into Woods and Water Water South Carolina. My name is Roger Metz. I'm joined by my co-host. I'm not even going to say it. Okay, and we're going to kick it off because we have... We have a busy show. We're going to talk to Pam Corwin Holbrook, uh, who is a DNR employee who went on her first deer hunt this year and got a deer. So, gonna, but we've also got Allison Rauch, who is uh, media relations with CPW here in Greer, who is our roaming hiking reporter. And, and is so, that a new title? Can I put that on? Yes, you can. You can business card, social media, whatever you'd like to do with that. You, you have at it. Make your own hashtags. Yeah, really. It. Hashtag roaming hiking reporter. Reporter, uh, got it. Got it. Love it. Uh, and you were a reporter at one time, were you not? I think you were. I was. Yeah. yeah. See, okay. So yep. I'm not too far off base. But anyway, it is. Uh, it's a beautiful time of the year out there, Allison, and you hike. And I don't have time to, so therefore I like to live vicariously through your posts on Facebook with some of your beautiful pictures and your 20-something mile hikes and all that. And so I'm leaning on you again. Uh, bring us a hike. Oh, well, Roger, you need to make time. The I know. listeners need to make I know. time. I if know. it is <laughs> sunny, I am gone. Do not, <laughs> like, I am, I am on the trails. So definitely make time. But, uh, you know, this COVID-19 with the state park shutting down for a (laughs) while really exposed me to some beautiful heritage preserves. Um, Reached out to some of my friends with DNR and have hiked some really pretty places, heritage preserves. And then the Palmetto Trail. It is um, from top to bottom of the state, and I've crossed off a few sections. Okay. I'd love to talk a little bit about the Peak to Prosperity section of the Palmetto Trail. Yeah, it's in Fairfield County, just outside of Newberry County, headed down towards Columbia, okay. and I just fell in love with that section. That's they got a really long bridge span down there, don't they? Across they the river. They do, and that's yeah. where I started. Yeah, across the river. And that was probably the prettiest part of that trail. It was so peaceful. The river was beautiful. And it just kicked off mentally for me that I knew I was going to have a great hike. And it's a 10-mile stretch if you go from end to end. But you don't have to do that. You can just go down and enjoy. It's it's very flat. And can go down and enjoy the, the scenery of the river. What's the what's the trail like going in? I mean, is it is it your typical two foot wide packed dirt trail? 
Well, you go over the, the former railroad tracks and okay. then you'll hit um, just some compacted dirt, very, okay. very flat, like really easy on your feet. It wasn't until I got to the very, very end where I got onto the old railroad bed and I was like walking under two inches of like rock. Okay. So that kind of hurt a little bit, okay. but for the most part, it was very, very nice. Cool. Ten miles. Um, I'm, I'm sure they have pull-offs on each side for parking and all. They do. I will say the one in Prosperity was not all that well marked, but there are volunteers currently working on it. Oh, okay. So definitely do your research. Um, the peak area where the, the trestle is was certainly um, well marked, a new where to go, extremely um, easy to find. And I, I can tell that a lot of people start there just because it is a lot prettier. Yeah. And on the very other end, you can see where they're looking to maybe extend it. Because the Palmetto Trail winds through all of South Carolina, right. but it's not fully completed yet. Right. And mm-hmm. that's one of the sections where it just kind of falls off and stops. So there's a kiosk there in the, the small parking lot at the end in Prosperity. Okay. But uh, definitely do your research and uh, know where you're going. You know, we're talking about Palmetto Trail and all. Did you keep up with South Carolina 7? During July? I did. Yeah. Yeah, that was really, really cool. I want to link up with that crew next year because they did some really awesome trips, especially in the upstate and went whitewater rafting and set by a campfire. I'm like, sign me up. Where do I get to do this? (laughs) Well, I can hook you up with somebody, namely Tom Mulliken, the guy that did it. He was on here doing weekly updates while he did the trail, and we were in Charleston for the finish. Um but yeah, his his goal is to do it every year, and with you know with COVID, he had to scale back. But his goal is is to involve like student groups and families and hiking clubs and all to come out every segment and hike with him and get more people I out. I think that's so cool, just to get more people out yeah. and exposed to what all there is in South Carolina. Yep. I had no idea, and the Palmetto Trail is. Is beautifully sectioned into various um, hikes along South Carolina. So just jump on the trail yeah. and go for four miles and <laughs> turn back around. It's just it's a really awesome trail to explore. Yeah. Like we really are so blessed with some awesome resources in South Carolina. All right, gear time. What you got for us? Oh, gear time. Yes. Yeah. So last time we talked. It's crazy. Things have just flown by. But last time we talked about boots and yes. socks. Uh-huh. This time, let's talk about poles. And, you know, they're I, for, I am... They're for old people and wimps. <laughs> right? That's exactly what I thought. Because I'm in my, like, mid to late 30s, and I just thought, man, I don't need poles. But as more that I got into the hiking, I realized that uh, poles really, really help you. They not only help you stand up straighter, you can navigate a little bit of tough terrain or a slippery rock or even going downhill. And, yeah, I love my poles. I never leave home without them now. And they're also good to maybe um, deter a bear or something out in the wild that you want to scare off. You can tap them, click them together, and uh, use them that way, too. You were telling me when I was joking about being for old people and all that. You thought that, but... Tell us about the feeling you had after a hike without poles at 28 miles and what it's like now. Oh, gosh. So 
I completed a 28.3-mile hike benefit for Make-A-Wish South Carolina, and I did that entire hike with no poles. And I hiked with a group of gals, and we got finished, and we were just sort of talking about how we felt and recovery and everything like that. And my lower body just ached, everything about it, my knees, my joints, my feet. And I just thought, man, okay, you put your body through something really tough. But the other ladies said, yeah, we don't have nearly as much. We're (laughs) aching, and we have a few pains. But it was that day that I went out, like, the very next week and bought poles and thought, okay, I'm going to never leave home without them. <laughs> and it, um, the poles are great. Um, so if anybody's looking to getting into hiking, you know, grab a stick, grab some hiking poles. They make different ones with different handles and straps. Some are cork. Um, some are foam and rubber grips. Just, you know, personal preference, find what works best for you and um, what makes you feel comfortable. But the poles also help absorb some of the pounding that your feet and shoes endure. That's what I really like about it, too. Okay, cool. How's Pooch doing? (laughs) She's great, yeah. (laughs) Spice Spice is is my my hiking buddy, and I take her out every chance I can get, and she just loves it. I think she loves being outside more than I do. Cool. Well, we're about out of time. Thank you for the update. Um, folks, check out the trail. And if you need someone, I'll put you in touch with Allison and let you know how she's doing. Cause she <laughs> hikes, let me tell you what. There you go, hashtag. <laughs> Allison, as always, thanks for taking time, giving me a few minutes. And uh, folks, look for her out on the trail because she's out there all the time. All right, let's do it. I look forward to seeing people out there. Absolutely. Thank see you. you later. Bye. All right, see ya. But it's the only place that I can hold you tight in this burning house. Stop. I grew up in <laughs> South Carolina. Okay, so Josh Turner. We can agree on that. That's good. Singing all in bluegrass and country songs. You got a really deep voice. Yeah, a really deep voice. But it's good. It's good. Whew. Well, welcome back to Woods and Water, South Carolina. Yes, I have turned the music over to Taylor this month. Whole month. Whole, whole month. I was going to do just like one show, and I opened my mouth and said something about a whole month, and now we're into it. So yeah. I hope you're enjoying this little interlude to the, the regularly scheduled music <laughs> on this program. <laughs> oh, we had such a good time, Taylor. Oh, yeah. And, and, and you're in for a real, I'm not going to say treat. This is going to be a really good couple of segments. Mm-hmm. For those of you who have never deer hunted, mm-hmm. because on the line with us is, is Pamela Corwin Holbrook. She is a... A good friend of mine has been for more than a few years uh, working with the DNR. Um, I've gotten to know Pam and her husband, and they're just a great couple. Uh, she loves horses and cats, and she has an, she's an incredible artist and incredible fisheries biologist. And so, Pam, welcome. And she called me her favorite radio host on, wow. on Facebook the other day, so I just love her. Uh, <laughs> Pam, welcome back to Woods and Water, South Carolina. 
Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. And your story is, we're going to get into it, and it is going to be great. And I think it's going to, uh, it's going to be an eye-opener and, and a, a pathway for a lot of people who wonder how to do this and, and how they need to feel when they're doing it and all that. And, and we'll talk about a lot more. But, but okay, so 2020 has been a year, granted. Uh, how have things been on the fisheries, on your fishery side at DNR this year? So originally, we weren't going to be able to do certain things, but after the governor deemed us essential, ah, okay. I was able to carry on like okay. normal. It was an incredible year. I met my goal. I actually exceeded my goal of producing shad and stocking shad in the broad and the watery rivers. And wow. the stripers went great. Um, for us on the fishery side, everything went it, not necessarily smoothly, but it was it was a good year for us. Okay. Okay. And if y'all haven't picked up before, she, Pam is in charge or, or runs a lot of the, the shad and striper. Um, would you call it spawning here in South Carolina? I mean, it's not natural spawning, but you, reproduction. Y'all handle that. Yes. So I work at a hatchery, um, and my main project is to restore the historical spawning runs that American shad used to you know, used to make um, before we had dams and some other issues. So I um, stock shad that are about uh, three days old below Lake Watery okay. and below Par Dam on the Broad River. Where do your stripers end up? Um, we stock stripers all over the state. <laughs> <laughs> now, I will tell you, okay. when we make hybrids, hybrids are only stocked in the Savannah system. Ah. Really? Why is that? Yes. Any reason? Um, I'm not sure. You'd have to look <laughs> back on the history and that. And that's, you know, the Striper Project really isn't my whole project. I okay. just work with them. Right. But I do, we had a lot of issues with hybrids, people saying they caught them in Lake Marion and Moultrie. Okay. And that's not true at all. Okay. We don't have hybrids there. Those are all Stripers. Yes, they okay. are all Stripers. That broken line does not mean it's a hybrid. <laughs> okay. Real quickly then. What is the distinction between a hybrid and a striper, then, for everybody that's listening? Um, Uh-oh. Well, it depends on if you're in the savanna system or not. Oh, okay. You're on, okay, so I'm on the savanna system. <laughs> I think they are officially, so people above my level, I think they are officially going to describe that so that there will be some kind of um, pamphlet or brochure, some okay. kind of information out there for the public to be able to distinguish cool. between the two. Good enough. Good enough. Well, let's get on to the, the, the real reason you're on here, um, and I won't blow it for you, but I'll let Taylor start off because I, I think the interaction between two ladies that hunt is, is going to be really good. So I may chime in if y'all stumble and can't think of anything to say, but I don't think that's going to be a problem. you kidding me right now? <laughs> you think, you think I'm going to run out of things to say? Do you even know me? Wait, you live with me. <laughs> Aren't you like, don't you ever shut your mouth? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Go ahead. So, I mean, you took a big step for a very different thing for you, coming from the fishing side to the hunting side. You killed your first deer. I did. I did. That's like, that's huge. That's a big step. No matter what age you are, no matter where you come from, that is a big step in life. And you described this as your second child syndrome. Yes. So, you know, my brother was the first child, and, of course, he was the male. My dad took 
him hunting and all the other people that had male uh, first children, would take, or sometimes even females, they would take them hunting. And it seems like the second or third child don't really get to enjoy that. Luckily, my dad took me fishing, but he never took me hunting. Hmm. Interesting, because I took both my girls hunting. Now, the first one didn't take, so to speak. But now Taylor's a totally different story, so it's a little reversed in my I world. I am a very, <laughs> very different story on that side and the personality side, too. Yes. Imagine having two polar opposite daughters. Um, <laughs> so, you know, not coming from a hunting background, like you said, what made you just one day decide, I want to go deer hunting? What 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 made that happen for you? Well, I've always I've always liked eating deer. I love deer. I don't really eat beef, so anytime I can get my hands on venison or elk, I mean, I'll take it. And I know Chad was ha- Chad is my husband. Yes. I know he was having some issues um, during some of the public draw hunts where he just wasn't getting any deer. So we were relying on friends or family uh, giving us a deer. And I felt like it was putting a lot of pressure on him. And it's something I had been toiling with. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to try it this year. I really want to try deer hunting. Now, does Chad deer hunt? Yes, he does. Okay. So I did not know that. Hmm. Yes, he does. He he does a lot of hunting, not a lot of killing. Uh, Careful. <laughs> I don't know. That's, that seems to be a trend lately. Careful. Hey, you behave. Oh, I'm just it's not I'm, his lack of trying. He right. tries so much, and that's where I feel like that pressure, it was just put on him, and I feel like adding me to that, you know, mix it might take a little bit of pressure off of him. It would, it's, it's amazing when you talk about pressure because it is when, well, for the last two years, I haven't killed a deer. Mm-hmm. It's not that I haven't seen them. It's just that I've passed them up early in the year, and then, of course, later in the year, it's like, okay. Any, any one of them want to come out? And I know the pressure you're talking about because although we don't eat entirely venison here at the house, it is a major part of what we eat mm-hmm. when we have you know, chili. chili or spaghetti or, mm-hmm. you know, Probably. it is cube steak, whatever it is. So I understand that the pressure that Chad might feel. And kudos yeah. to you to try and help us out. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's a real partnership <laughs> over there, Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I mean... You know, y'all who've been listening to the show for a while, I just recently finished my Hunter Ed course, and let me tell y'all, that was, coming from a background, even from my background, hunting since I was four, it was hard. Now, for you, how did the Hunter Ed course go for you? I took the Hunter Ed course. I have dove hunted, so I had to take um, the Hunter Ed course before I started dove hunting, and I was also in the Army, so it was a little bit of the same stuff that you would have in the Army. It's just a lot of common sense about um, muzzle awareness and keeping your gun in check. And it was a little bit of common sense for me. Um, But for someone that's never hunted in their life before going to this, I could see how that would be pretty hard. Huh? Did you struggle with any of the, the ethics part? I did not. See, that's the interesting thing is because I always told myself I wouldn't become a deer hunter because I liked them. And, you know, who wants to kill a, a cute little fuzzy animal? But as I've gotten older, that has changed. And the ethics part, 
is is probably a main component of what is going to recruit hunters, knowing that not all hunters are like the ones you see on TV or the ones where you just see bludgeoning them and ripping their hearts out and eating them. Right. That that's not that's not real. That's that's not what hunting's about. It's made for TV. It's what they want you to think of it. Right. Wow. When you um your changing attitude towards hunting and all. Has that been years in the coming? I mean years in yes. the years of yes. with deer hunting, yes. Okay. I have dove hunted. Um, and unfortunately, I've had some bad experiences with unethical hunters dove hunting on public fields, and I haven't been dove hunting since. But deer hunting, I felt like, was a little bit tight, a tighter-knit group, and they kind of police each other. And they're so congratulatory toward each other. Like, if you miss, they're like, hey, man, maybe next one. You know, it's none of this making fun of you or anything. You know, you talk about public land and, and all, and a lot of deer hunting is is by yourself, so it's it totally in your control. And that was an issue in the very beginning. Well, we can just go to the very beginning. Oh, just, go ahead. We got we got about we got about a minute and a half left, so don't get you know right. Whatever you okay. got to do. Well, <laughs> as a woman, as an adult woman, just trying to even figure this out on public land during COVID made everything even harder because no one like the, the national forest uh, office was closed. Nobody can answer my questions. I didn't know where to go. I didn't know where I could go. And then I didn't put any for any public hunts because it was too late. So I didn't get drawn. And a lot of WMAs where I'm at are draw hunts or youth adult only. So I was out of luck. (laughs) Wow. So, Real quick, how, how did you figure it out? You, we, we talked earlier about women's take one, make one. Yes. So I actually put a little vent on Facebook where I was venting and talking about how hard it was. And Jim Goller, who runs the Harry Hampton Wildlife Fund, tagged Mark Farrell, which is with the Take One, Make One program. And we have a women's take one, make one program now right. for the same type of issues I was having. Just from step one, if like you've never even held a gun in your life or never, ever have ever went hunted, they take you from step one to hunting. And they do a great job of it, Taylor. Yeah, oh, they do. They do an yeah. amazing job. All right. Well, let's break right here. Let's uh, let's go to station break. We're going to ring up some music. Pam, we're going to be right back. Hang on with more Woods and Water South Carolina on the other side. All right. has been on when we've had the regular music on and now this go ahead taylor why don't you ask her which one she likes better i'll just sit over yeah here, i mean okay let's 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 just take a second so 
yours is like what eighty seventies eighties rock, right? Mm-hmm. I am. Mine is the actual good stuff. Like I'm, I'm talking. You know, you just got Luke, Luke Combs. Why are you talking to me? You need to be Josh asking Pam. I'm, this. I'm just going over the differences here. <laughs> the the first difference being that it's good. Um, the second is just it's just it's good stuff. Put you uh, to sleep. Do you, Pam? Do you like the the rock or the country better? I like rock, but I like a lot of the older country, except for oh. the two that like that you just played. They have that deep mm-hmm. twang, mm-hmm. which I like. I don't like a lot of the new country, so but I like, like what you played so far. So are we? Are we like? I'm trying to think, like George Strait and Alan uh, Jackson, like Brooks Dunn, Garth ah. Brooks, Garth Brooks, oh, Garth Brooks, oh. yeah, Friends in Low Places. Yeah, yeah that's, that's one. Nineteen eighty-seven ish. Was it eighty-seven? Really? All I remember is there was a pool hall oh on 291, <laughs> and I can't even remember the name of it now. And I remember that song coming on, and everybody was singing it. Why were you in a pool hall? Don't ask. Uh-huh. Oh. <laughs> find out more about your dad than you might want to know. Apparently, I always find out these things when you talk to other people. I'm like, what? This one. Oh, y'all, get ready for the segment. Cause it's gonna be so good. You know, you know me. You know, I have, I have absolutely, absolutely no way I can even put up with some people and the way they portray women in the outdoors. And I finally have a woman to talk to about this. Daddy, you just don't get it. Uh, look, I do get it. Do, you don't. I, you, I do, but do? not as I don't take it to heart like y'all do. Because I'm not, I'm not a woman. I can't understand what y'all go through. So I'm, like I said, I'm gonna back off of it. <laughs> so I mean, where would you like to start with this, Pam? I mean, you just, you just start somewhere, and I'll chime okay. in with you. I will just start out from the beginning. Like I was telling you earlier, I didn't want to necessarily invest a whole lot of money in clothes and equipment if I didn't like hunting. So I went to my local Walmart and walked in. I'm like, well, I'll go to the women's section and go to the hunting section. All of the women's hunting stuff had, like, pink camo or a pink deer head or, like you were talking about, was a V-neck. They didn't have anything that it was the exact same version of the men's hunting clothes because, I guess, women don't hunt or they Lord only want to hunt with pink. Lord forbid right. we hunt with anything but pink. Oh, gosh, yes. <laughs> um, and then you... Going like the next step, okay, well, a lot of women's shampoo and conditioners for our hair, they, they smell. They have real nice smell to them. Well, mm-hmm. well, when we go, you know, we can't necessarily use the same shampoo that men's have because our hair is so different. So you can go online and buy some stuff now. Um, I didn't know that at the time. And then like our deodorant. So I ended up just using my husband's no-scent deodorant and his no-scent body wash. And boy, did it dry my skin out! No, <laughs> awful. Okay, I'm and then we couldn't use lotion because it has a smell to it. That's okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make it. a plug here. Do it. Elima Shield. That's e- the way to go. E L I M I S H I E L D. Uh huh. We've had That's what you need before. to. Yeah, we, Taylor uses their stuff. I use their it, stuff. It's incredible. It is. It is very good stuff. Came out of the medical industry, so it's you know. It, it's it's really good stuff, and I and I will say that talking to Philip, 
with a Luma Shield, the, the ladies that use it have no problem with drying out their hair, drying out their skin, taking out color out of their hair. If they got color in their hair, it is it is a great product. So I'll, I'll back mm-hmm. off again. No, that, that, oh, no, I can highly recommend them for sure. But I mean, it is it is so true. I mean, you you walk into Walmart and you know, Dad Cabela's. You, you use well, yeah, wherever. Cabela's. Use First Light for your camo. And I mean, I just. <sighs> Well, that was another issue. So when I, I'm like, okay, well, they don't have anything at Walmart. I'm going to go down to um, what was filled and stream. Mm-hmm. And I walk in, and they have, like, the the cheaper section. I'm like, okay, I can just find a shirt and some, some pants. Well, they didn't have my size. It was, like, extra, extra small oh, or extra, 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 extra large. And I'm like, well, dang it. So I'll go to the men's section. Or you can go to the upper thing like under armor and everything and it's like two hundred dollars mm-hmm. for a pair of pants and i'm like i just can't see myself paying that if i don't like hunting so it was that was just another um roadblock that i almost hit but i'm like you know what i want to make this work and i ended up getting a men's shirt in a size small and an extra small men's hoodie and i ended up just wearing leggings because i was in a box line hey it works and that's like, like that's- whatever helps that's comfortable too. Oof, that's yeah. so comfortable. I wish I could hunt like that. We need a box stand ASAP, Daddy. A sap. <laughs> Chill out and leg. Not only does she eat all my food, she's very demanding about where she hunts. Oh well, you know, when it comes to hunting, you don't have to mess with me. You do know that, all right? I do. Good. <laughs> but I mean, and that you know, you talk about roadblocks and everything. I feel like it is harder for women who have not grown up. And, you know, with a dad that takes them hunting and teaches them, you know, where what the basis of hunting is and how to how to get around these roadblocks. I feel like that is where we lose a bunch of female hunters is because they don't know where to start. And if they do start, then they hit a roadblock. And like, well, I can't. This isn't meant for me then. If this is how I have to do it, then I can't do this. And and, and I know from from talking to some girls. Asking a guy for now. Now you're you're married to Chad, who hunts, so you have a ready-made helper. If you were single by yourself, would you be out asking guys for help on how to go deer hunting, Pam? Um, not necessarily. Which is which is interesting because when I did make that vent on on Facebook, I had a lot of guys message me saying, "Hey, you can come sit with me in the deer stand," and these are friends of ours and everything. And it was it was private um, hunt clubs, and I'm like, well, I don't know if I don't know how hunt clubs work. You know, they all have different um, rules and everything. But I'm like, well, if it comes down to that, I can take them up on their offer. But if I was single, I think it would make it a little bit weird, especially if that was like a first date type of thing. Like, <laughs> would he get mad at me if I didn't pull the trigger? <laughs> like. Would I would he get mad at me if I like started crying if I didn't shoot the deer or something like? But I could see how if a woman was single and she wanted to get into deer hunting, how that could be like a a great um, singlesonly dot com dating dating website. Yeah, no, I could definitely do that. <laughs> take me hunting. Take me hunting. <laughs> or something. Take me hunting. Get me Waffle House, and I'll be happy. <laughs> Let me, Pam. I ask it the women's take one make one program. You say you got a hold of Mark Farrell through Jim yes. and all. Did you actually partake in one of their hunts? The very first clinic they did, um, I was there. 
and they were so they're like thanks to Pam we have three clinics already lined up because there were other women that were in the same situation that I was and it just and these were just DNR employees they're just we're kind of like their um guinea pigs right and they wanted to see how it would go so they asked DNR employees if they wanted to to try hunting or whatever we would sign up and there were so many women they have three clinics and before they're going to allow it to open up to the public. So this will be public. Wow. Hmm. Yes. All right. We got about two minutes. Take us through the clinic. Okay. So they do, they break you up into teams. So you have like A, B, C team and a team would go into the kitchen and you will learn how to prepare venison. And they had all kinds of different recipes. And each team did something different. Like one team made chili. One made stuffed um, loins. The other ones, they made a uh, cube steak. And the, just amazing recipes. And then the B team, you would go on and you would go to the range. You would learn everything about the gun, um, how to shoot, how to aim, how to take it off safety properly, and um, use your scope. And just just the, everything about the rifle that you wanted to get yourself familiar with. And then the C team would go over and they would go over um, safety, the type of equipment that you could use if you were in a, a box line, if you were just sitting down, if you didn't have any coverage, um, your safety line, your your climbing stand, why you want this and why you want that, like knowing the wind direction, why you don't want to have any scent. They go over all of that. And then at the end, you go to where you're um, either a box blind, box blind or a, a climbing stand, I think. Mm-hmm. Or a ladder um, stand. Or a ladder stand. Ladder, yeah, stand. ladder stand. Sorry. And you hunt until you can't hunt anymore, like there's no light. Wow. Yeah. I kind of want to go do that. That sounds fun. You have too much okay. experience. Uh. I don't, you know, my boss's wife was with us. She yeah. was in my group, and she sat in the stand with her with her husband, which is my boss. And there was so many different things that she learned because, as women, we want to know, we want to have a plan for every scenario. Yeah. Right. Oh, they also taught you how to track. I forgot about that. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, you got. Let's 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 pull you over to the last segment. Hang on a second. We'll be back with more Woods and Water South Carolina in a few minutes. Migraine. Oh, hush. Migraine headaches. Let it play. Oh. Let it play. This is about fishing. Okay. This kind of, you two will feed off of this because you're imagining the guy who's making camouflage clothes with pink in it. <laughs> if, yep. y'all don't, if y'all don't know that song, that's Maddie and Tay Shut Up and Fish. And if... if you know, if you thought what you heard of it was good, you need to go listen to the rest of it. And just listen to the lyrics. It's so good. So good. If you're if you are going through a thing with a guy that just doesn't understand women in the outdoors, <laughs> listen to it. Please. 
Highly recommend. I think it's a mental condition, Pam. A mental, a mental condition. <laughs> a mental condition. I think you have a mental. I think you need to see somebody about this. <laughs> How is this a mental condition? I don't know. That's not that, okay. There's no way. To so, so to 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 kind of tag off the last thing, DNR has had the Take One Make One program. We've they've had them for kids. They have experimented with the college crowd. And what you're telling us is now they're going to have one for women. Yes. How cool is that? It is awesome. And you were asking about um, like equipment and everything. They yeah. provide everything. You just have to show up. And have your hunter safety course completed. Hmm. Um, so if you don't have a rifle, if you, I mean, people, some women showed up and they didn't even have camouflage on. I don't know if it's because they didn't, couldn't find it. Yeah. <laughs> Which is probably reason, or they didn't want pink on it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, they provide everything. Wow. I know I've been to some of the, the youth take one, make one classes. I haven't been on a hunt, but I've been to some of the seminars that they've done for the youth and all. And it, and it's when you were describing the A, B, and C, it's essentially what they were doing with the kids. You had kids in the kitchen cooking. You had kids in talking about ethics and, and safety and all that. And you had kids out playing with tree stands. Yes. And the good thing about with Mark and Ken, if you shot a deer at the end, they were very careful about how to present the photos yes. because there's always the anti-hunting crowd that sure. they're just looking for that, and he's very good about that. Yeah, there there is a there's a definite need in the hunting industry or the hunting community to learn how to take a tasteful picture. Yes, yes. And it takes Absolutely. a little bit of time. It takes a few minutes, but there again, it's like I told Taylor, every time we go in the woods – these moments are fleeting. They don't last forever. So take time to set it up right and take a tasteful picture. Think yeah, about the picture because, a little bit. Right, because it, it could be the first impression that a child sees, and they might see a pretty bad picture, and they're like, I'm never going to go hunting yeah. again, and they don't. Right. Or they can be a nice picture, and they're like, oh, that, that deer looks mm-hmm. like it died peacefully. It's not bloody. And then you got your your child taking wanting to go hunting. Yeah, well, you have an opportunity to get past just the visual image to explain what hunting's about. Yes, yes, that is true. Whereas if you present a bad picture, it, the game's up. You know, right. it just get turned off. That's something I think people really need to reflect on every once in a while because some people just do not do not get the whole thing. So now we got to get into the juicy stuff. The best part. The hunt. Your hunt, going into it. Okay. What what were what were the feeling? Were you nervous? Were you um, excited? Expectations. Just, yeah, expectations. Well, it's funny because I had shot Chad's Savage 270, and I'm like, that thing has a kick. Because I'm used <laughs> to like an M4, M16 has no kick at all. Sure. And his 270, I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I could use, and I'd never used a scope before until then. Because on the M4 and M16, you use iron sights. So okay. when I used the scope, I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to give myself a black eye. I'm going to cut myself because <laughs> I might get too close to it. Yep. Right. And I was really worried about the kick. And it's, 
you know, making making it jump and then making me miss the target. So we ended up shooting with a Marlin seven millimeter oh eight and Which is what that, we shoot, Taylor. Yes, I mm-hmm. loved it. Any yeah. kind of feelings I had about not hitting my target, they they just went out the door. And and so that, I didn't become as nervous as I was. And I'm gonna interject here for just a second. And that is a real consideration for small not just ladies who want to hunt, but for smaller frame people. Recoil yeah. is an issue. Recoil. It is. Because you can develop uh, recoil flinch. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Keep going. The hunt. <laughs> you got about you got about six, seven minutes to tell us about the hunt. Okay. Well, that was the issue. I was like, well, this gun is going to be really heavy. And then I held the Marlin, and I'm like, man, this thing is so nice. So I ended up hunting with their rifle. And we went to this really nice box stand. I mean, like, the windows had leather connector pieces, so it didn't make any kind of noise when we lifted the window. Um, and we also had Taylor Maine, who is our yes. our photographer. She was in um, the box with me because she wanted to get pictures. And I'm like, oh, gosh. And we had, <laughs> Extra <laughs> and I had a retired, <laughs> I had a retired um, game warden as my mentor. And... We were sitting there, and a small doe that probably had just lost her spots came out. And my mentor was like, you can shoot it? I'm like, no, I am not shooting that tiny little thing. I just kept my rifle down. I'm like, there's no way. And we just sat there and watched it. And Taylor took tons of pictures of deer, and then we saw turkeys come out. And we watched all the turkeys. And the deer literally went under the stand and we're like where is this deer like we thought it was still under there um but you were right enjoying the moment enjoying everything that you were watching and then it started to get dark and I saw two does come out but they were walking towards me and I did not want to take that shot I did not feel comfortable taking that shot and then they disappeared into the wood line I'm like oh well that's all right so Taylor was actually packing up um to go and I looked down at the end of, I guess, the row. and Shooting lane, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, shoot, yeah mm-hmm. shooting lane. And I saw a deer, but um, Christy was her name. Christy couldn't see it. And I was like, well, let me look through the scope. And I looked through the scope, and I'm like, oh, it's a buck. And she's like, shoot it, shoot it, shoot it, shoot it. And I'm like, I don't even remember anything she said after that. Like, all I can remember is I can hear myself breathing. And I'm looking through the scope, and I'm got this men like I'm like you can do this. Slow is easy, easy is steady. Mm-hmm. Talking about the trigger pull, and I look through it, and it turns sideways where I could get that perfect shot, and I pulled the trigger, and I don't even remember looking through this. Like I I don't know what happened. I I didn't black out. I, it's <laughs> just that that millisecond that's missing. I know I hit it because it fell right there. And I looked over to my um, left because I was shooting. I'm a left-hand shooter. I was shooting left-handed, and I looked over my shoulder, and I just started bawling. (laughs) And Christy was like, you did it, girl. You did it. Oh, my gosh. And I'm like, is it dead? Is it dead? (laughs) And it was. It it, it had died right there. Oh, Um, wow. And she got out of the stand and went to go check, and it was a really good – it was a long walk. And I'm like, just give me some give me some time to reflect. And I reflected on it, and I'm like, I can, I can do this. 
I'm like, I didn't enjoy it, but you know what? I'm putting food on the table. I am providing myself with nourishment, and I'm okay with that. Right. So I got out of the stand, and I walked all the way down there with her, and I knew I didn't want to look. I knew I needed to take baby steps. Um, I didn't look at the eyes, but I just, I like, I knelt down and, and thanked them in my own little way, and there wasn't much blood, and Christy was just, she was just so excited. And, and you know, I was excited, too, but I was also just this weird roller coaster of emotions. Like, yeah. did I really just do this? Did I really just kill something? But it didn't suffer. I didn't hit it, and it run off where I'd had to track it. Right. Um, it died right there. And I was so proud of myself, and I ended up making a deer cheese, or my husband made deer cheesesteak with my deer, and it just made it even better. Oh, that that's a great feeling. That is and such a good feeling. We weren't so she had a um we weren't sure on the yard the yardage, so I ended up coming back and measuring it on Google Earth, and it was 209 yards, which I'm fine with because I've shot longer than that with the army. But I felt that if it was a much longer shot, I don't think I would have taken it just because of the air and the wind right. and everything. Um, but I am very happy that I did it. And we were always talking about R3. I am definitely recruited, and I will be a retained hunter. If I shoot one deer a year, I will be happy. Wow. And it And it is okay to cry. Yeah, it is. It is definitely okay. Dad, you cried. You cried my first year. I cried when you killed your first one, yes. I tried I tried not to, but I was my adrenaline was going too much. But I'll tell you the reason the reason for that. Because you had been going with me since you were probably five years old. Mm-hmm. Um you know, learning how to enjoy being out there, learning patience, all these things you try to teach, and then learning how to shoot. Learning how to shoot you know, consecutively good, learning how to make good judgment calls in the woods, like Pam, wait till it was sideways. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, all that coming together and then and then seeing the ethical shot. Yours ran about 30 yards. Mm-hmm. At 170 yards, Pam, she didn't have military training, but hers was 170 <laughs> yards. Um, and I don't remember, I remember hearing the shot, but I was watching the deer through binoculars, and I don't think, Taylor, I don't think you remember the shot. Uh yeah, I don't remember anything from the time I clicked the safety off. Yeah. It was like, whew. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, isn't that weird? It is It is so weird. But it is so natural. Like we, we unconsciously just put it out. I yeah. don't know why. Because I was so afraid of looking through the scope and seeing it hit, the bullet hit. Yeah. And, and seeing me taking that life. Yeah. I think me picturing that is what kind of turned me off. Yeah. But then when Chad was explaining to me, he was like, no, you really don't see it. And I'm like, okay. And you don't. Well, we're running out of time on the end of the show, Pam. Uh, congratulations. Uh, you've done it exactly the way it ought to be done. Taking your time, being prepared, knowing your limitations, and um, thank you for a great story. No, oh, thank, thank you. you so much. Folks, there you have it. Now you know you can get from where you are to a deer stand. So anyway, as always, make time to get out there. Take the back roads you can. And don't forget the camera. See you back here next week. More Woods and Water, South Carolina. Three-star 
General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.